Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Alright, what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 154 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. My name is Josh Cannon and uh, as a result of uh, a, I guess a little baby tour that uh, my band Dancing with Ghosts is going on August 28th and 29th, which is uh, this Wednesday and this Thursday, um, me and Mike were going to have yet another week where we wouldn't have been able to do a podcast and I said, fuck that, the show must go on. So, for the first time ever on this podcast, we're having a guest host. Many of you already know this person if you follow us in any capacity whatsoever. But uh, introducing for the first time, and you've already heard her on Patreon, but she is here with me today, tonight, whatever. Stephanie. Hello, Stephanie. Hey, guys. What's up? So, yeah, she's doing me a solid, and she's filling in for Mike. um, Because, like I said, with our... uh, Stephanie and I are going to Atlanta this Wednesday and Thursday to play some shows, so the podcast just wouldn't have been able to uh, get done this week on that schedule, so I still want to give y'all something. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Stephanie can shoulder shoulder the comedic load <laughs> that I'm going to launch her way. And guys, there's no reason to be afraid, like, Mike's not getting replaced, like, Daddy's not going anywhere, it's gonna be okay. Um, I'm just here to fill in for the week and hopefully you guys like it if not i will be gone so uh no worries just you know deal with it wow they you they've already turned against you the <laughs> crowd has already turned on you they don't like you it doesn't take long no they don't like us either a lot of times so it's fine <laughs> um so i i, I always ask it, it, it Okay, so it's weird because we're having a conversation right now, but how my setup is with the microphones and the mic and everything, I can't actually look at you as I'm talking. Nope. So I'm not looking at you in the eye. I'm just staring straight <laughs> forward and talking to you like I, I have special needs or something right now. Like This is like if you go to a restaurant and for some reason you both sit on the same side of the booth and there's nobody right. across from you, but you're only talking to that person. Even in that situation, I'm, I'm still somehow <laughs> able to turn my head. It, it just suffice to say, folks, this feels like the first time I've ever done a podcast and... Just, Stephanie, I want you to know that I'm having to stare straight ahead as I ask you questions. With me and Mike, obviously, this isn't an issue because he's all the way in Washington and I don't see him anyway. So I can do whatever I want and don't have to worry about eye contact. But actually having someone in the same room while I podcast, uh, it's not a first for us because we did the Patreon thing. But um, well, I mean, just remember at the end of the day, I don't really like eye contact anyway. So uh, that's true. Just, I mean... You can you can look Spoken all you want like but. a true beta female. <laughs> I really I really uh, I'm good at making eye contact in interviews and being assertive in managerial positions. But outside of that, nah, man, I don't like it. I used to have a thing with icon. Sorry, I'm trying not to vape <laughs> while I because you can hear the fucking mouthful of smoke. Sounds like there's a big marshmallow in my mouth. 
Now, I used to not like making eye contact, and, and it was really a, a, a self-confidence thing for me. And, uh, like, uh, I don't know. I felt like uh, I, I would cower to most people. or what I don't know what it was. It was a shyness. I don't know what you want to call it. But now, now I don't have as much problems. I find that the biggest thing with eye contact for me is if I give a nod. Like, if it's a stranger and you're walking and you just kind of nod, like, what's up? How's it going? You know? Or you just say, I, the amount of times I ask people how how is it going in a hypothetical sense every day is insane. Every person I see, I'm just like, hey, how's it going? I don't expect them to answer. I don't want to know. It's that We're breaking the awkward silence of me and you looking at each other, making prolonged eye contact. That's all this is. That's why I'm saying this. But to, anyway. To me, I don't know. I, I, I have that customer service switch that I can turn off and on. If, I'm, if it's on, because I've been in you know retail management for like 13 years. But uh, I can turn that on and I can just, it, if I'm on, it's fine. But in my free time, it's not an activity What else I can enjoy. you turn on? Oh my God. It's also useful in those situations. Yeah, I can't joke around with Stephanie in the same way I can with Mike <laughs> because now it's just sexual harassment. And I can like I can get sued now. Which I'm going is, to the police. Yeah, it's this is unfortunate. Um, <laughs> well, I did think it was kind of cool though that we, you know, I, in the spirit of of, of uh, having Stephanie, who is a woman, a verified woman, as far as I know, uh, on the podcast, we're doing an all woman uh, episode because oftentimes, and we have a lot of female listeners, um, the, we do these cases on you know about females, and we don't really give you know we we don't you know me, me and Mike. Uh, exhibit a lot of feminine characteristics in our personalities, <laughs> but we are not females. No. So it's nice to get a female perspective on some of these cases sometimes. And you it, know. Sh- it should be noted, I'm not like a hardcore feminist or anything like that. That being said, that I, as I've told you, there's definitely been episodes I've listened to where I'm listening to you guys like just actually screaming and ranting at my house, just going, what the heck? Like, no, that's not... That's not like that's not how I would think about the situation. So I'm I'm interested how this is going to go and how uh, everybody will respond. Yeah, cool. So um, so yeah, like I said before, we get into these cases. Uh, we uh, me and Stephanie are both in Dancing with Ghosts, a band that I'm constantly promoting and beating people over the head with on this podcast, forcing you to listen to our music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and so we're pretty stoked about going on this little mini tour. It's like baby's first tour. Uh, <laughs> we're playing two shows in two days. You know, we're driving, you know, five hours away to Atlanta. We've never done two shows in a row, uh, out of town before. Um, so it's going to be, you know, baby's first little dipping my toe in, you know, leaving the state playing, you know, multiple shows out of state to see like, did, did we forget the toothbrush? Did we forget, you know, <laughs> the toilet but you know what did we forget so we can make sure to not do that next time i didn't want to jump right from the firing pan into the fire and go from playing in my hometown where i can drive back to my bed that night to sleeping on some roach infested floor in some guys like shack yeah. uh in you know, like utah so I, I i wanted to have a nice transition so we're gonna be staying in like a hotel and doing all this doing but all this nice shit li- you're not supposed to tour, do if- tour light is what I would yeah, describe. like it's just, just stuff you're not supposed to do uh, if you want to make any kind of money on the road. Uh, this is we're probably gonna end up breaking even after this is all yeah. said and done. Sadly, but yeah, it's whatever. It's but it's getting the music out is, there. I mean, in in just to think about it this way, like it's not terribly uncommon if I you know up and you know leave my city or you know like go do a day trip or even like occasionally like stay the night out outside of town somewhere but for you you never ever ever (laughs) do that so 
this will be, I think like it's, it's a good chance for you to get out of Jack's for a little bit too. Cause I feel like the only time you really leave is when we do shows. Bitch, you get out of town just as much as I do these days. Don't act like you're, I mean, yes, back in the day you traveled a lot more than I did, but I was just in Tampa at a show like a month ago. We, we both go to the same places together. <laughs> Usually. If anybody ever sees us like not like during one of our band days, it's pretty much like, oh, what did you what did they do? Well, they went out probably wearing like, you know, dressed like hoodlums. I was probably wearing like a hat and baseball what shorts. What the hell are you talking and, about and right nonsense. now? Nonsense. We just look like trash. We oh. go out and eat. And oh, yeah. You're talking like about on day. Yeah. On yes. Sundays, that's our band day. We <laughs> go out whenever, you know, we get hungry and we go to lunch and, and we are just we look like the <laughs> dregs. Of Walmart. Like, we look like Walmart would not want us in there. They're like, hey, man, there's a dress code here to some extent. Like but The only mission, really, I mean, as, as two former fat kids, the only mission is to go and shovel as much food in our gullets as we can. Yeah. To I mean, come back and complain about, oh, my God, we're so full. Why did we do this? And yet we do it every time. If, so. if, I, if this band gets just a, any more <laughs> of an iota of exposure, uh, I, I'm definitely going to pull the whole, like, phony Hollywood th- thing when they're out jogging in the tabloid snaps a picture and they're wearing like a baseball cap <laughs> pulled tightly over their face with these big sunglasses but that's how i'm gonna dress when i go to restaurants and eat because how embarrassing it's gonna be that's what i do when i go to the grocery store honestly like i just i know that i clean up well and i don't owe it to the world to be attractive i just know i can be if i want to so if i'm going to the grocery store it's all, all bets are off i'll wear real shoes but it's probably sweatpants t-shirt probably no bra hat and that's that that's it sorry guys like i just don't care i'm not going there to impress anybody i'm going there to buy like buy some bananas and you know get the fuck out so i don't care i don't know how i feel about you saying the no bra thing <laughs> i mean it's i'm like you know I, i'm not rocking much it, it's okay for me to do Jesus. that Jesus. so this is a howard stern show all of a sudden Oh, because you guys are very appropriate. We are, ve- we are very... You're classy gents. Uh, we have decorum, okay, on this <laughs> podcast. And, and you as a woman are if coming guys, in here... If you guys thought that I was going to come on here and be appropriate, you're just wrong. Jesus. You brought- I'm the wrong girl. I'm barely a girl, guys. I'm sorry. It's true. I, I have the genetic makeup of one, but I definitely don't have the mindset. And I, I, I'm not speaking for all women. <laughs> Uh, but I just, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't act accordingly. So speaking of women, um, we are cut, like I said before, we're doing two women this week and we're going to start off with the uh, case of Hazel head. When I take, um, when I, when I find like segments that I want to talk about for the podcast, I put the names of the people in my phone and I have like a little list and then I do like a three to four word short summary on what the case is about. So I can at a glance look at and go, oh, OK, I remember what that case is about. So my description of Hazel Head is gold digging whore. That's basically <laughs> what this case is about. Um, you'll soon see that. So in August of 1998, a woman calling herself Deanna Ray placed an ad in the personal section of a Louisiana newspaper. Deanna Ray was hardly being honest in the ad. In fact, her real name was not Deanna at all. And if it's spelled the way it is on this unsolved.com, uh, that is the weirdest spelling of Deanna I've ever that's seen. Fucking mouthful. D E D E I A N N A. I don't know if that's a typo or not. From I, far away, it looked like Delana, but no, it's it's that, that's not. I'm just gonna go throughout. with Deanna. Yep. Um, 
Anyway, her real name was Hazel Leota Head. According to authorities, Deanna was a drifter who hitchhiked around the country looking for her next mark, a lonely man to latch onto and drain his <laughs> bank account. That man happened to be Charles Barker, a recent widower who was devastated after the sudden loss of his wife of 10 years. According to Charles' daughter, Cindy Jefferson, Charles tried to overcome his depression with activities. But uh, in the segment, though, another brilliant Robert Stack moment, <laughs> because in the reenactment, it shows the actress who plays uh, Hazel Head, and she's in a phone booth, and she's like, it's 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 like one of these old-timey, before there was, before even the Craigslist personals ads existed, I guess you could, like, call, and some of the older listeners probably know about this, uh, hopefully not, because your life probably wasn't in a good place if you had to use one of these <laughs> services. It was like you could call up this message service, this date service, and you could, uh, you know, I'm a, and she so she's like, I'm a single white female and uh, I'm looking for a, a male, a, a single white male ages 45 to 55. And I like to have fun and I'm uh, clean and this, that and the other. And then Robert Stack appears on the screen and he goes, Charles would have enjoyed any one of those details. If only he had known. <laughs> just, just how he delivered that line. If only he had known. <laughs> it was like absolute perfect delivery. Like I, I, I don't think anybody could have done it better. It was, it was awesome. a classical stackism. <laughs> I mean, it, me and Stephanie just both busted out laughing because he it was just such a perfectly delivered line. But anyway, according to Charles' daughter Cindy Jefferson, Charles tried to overcome his depression with activities. Quote. But then later on, he snapped out of it and wanted to do things, go fishing and travel. He bought a Winnebago, a boat. I guess that's when the loneliness set in. You know, he didn't like doing it by himself. Well, nobody does. <laughs> Which, I mean, dude, trust me. I I get it because, you know, my dad passed away last year and my mom has a bunch of activity. My mom was a very active person it, pretty much until she met my dad. And then my now dad. Super active. Yeah. And then my dad just kind of slowly but surely like dragged her down because he was in a lot of you know he was in a lot he had his own medical problems blah 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 but anyway you know when he passed away she like you know wanted to do stuff still she wanted to go on hiking and this that the other and um i didn't i didn't like the idea of my mom going and doing that by herself i wanted her to have someone to do that with as well you know mm -hmm. and thankfully she finally did kind of meet someone I just got nervous just now saying that <laughs> as if my dad's going to hear this episode and be like that <laughs> cheating bitch. I literally just thought of it. I was like, man, my dad might hear. Wait a second. Uh, Beaver. <laughs> Your dad's dead. Oh, my God. oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, this, this is dark, dark, folks. Pretty dark. But um, no, so I, I get where I get, you know, I get where he's coming from, you know, especially, you know being an old dude you know you, you're 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 used to your wife i feel like uh they isn't there some study that says men li live an extra 10 years if yes. they're married yeah because they they need that companionship and then you have who i will probably become a bitter old bitty uh i already do a lot of stuff by myself <laughs> so uh like i i get where he's coming from on that but yeah I, i've i've seen a lot of studies that indicate like guys like there's a reason like there's certain ones that they as soon as their wife dies or their wife leaves them, they immediately start like looking. They don't start dating to date. They start dating to wife. They they want that constant companionship. And it seems like it doesn't really matter all that much who they are so long as they're not a piece of stool. Like if they're just like, you know, not a piece of shit, they're like, okay, I can deal with this. I have 
a, a woman at home. And uh, that's that's enough for me because it's it's companionship for them. What, how well they get along. I, I don't know how much that matters. A casino on the Red River in Louisiana became Charles Barker's latest diversion. He probably believed that he met Diana by chance, but according to Ed Baswell of the Beausier Parish Sheriff's Department, it's likely that it was all a setup. Charles Barker carried pretty large amounts of cash with him. Hazel would have almost certainly noticed that because she'd be looking for those kinds of things, and so he would have become a target for her. Less than a year after the death of his wife, Charles was swept up in a whirlwind romance with Deanna. According to Charles' daughter, Jennifer Snoot Spoons. God, I can't go through one of these fucking articles without a weird last name that trips me the fuck up. First it's Deanna, D-E-I-A-N-N-A, and now it's Spoons. From here it looked like there was three O's, just Spoons. You're going to do great when it comes time for oh. you to read yours. Oh no, I'm a reading champion, guys. Anyway, according to Charles' daughter, Jennifer Spoons. Uh, darter. Deanna moved. I'm having a stroke right now and you're laughing. Deanna moved into Charles' home within days of their initial meeting. Quote, Dad told me he had met a woman in the casino. You know, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I just hoped he was happy and I don't want to see him alone. You know, I thought maybe she would be a good companion for him. And evidently he was happy with her for a while because he would call me and say he liked her. He needed someone, some companionship. He didn't like to be alone. And uh, she wanted us to know that, yeah. apparently. You know, because you know. all of her you knows. Uh, so one weekend, Jennifer made the nine-hour drive from her Austin home to meet her father's new girlfriend. She wasn't a real presentable woman, you know, just no class. She looked like a barfly, you know. I was suspicious of her. I, I knew she wasn't right for him. And you know a lot of things because you, you say it enough. Uh, the woman they portray in this reenactment, uh, they really picked a good uh, actress for yes. for the uh, the barfly stereotype. Um, Stephanie was actually the first one to point out her <laughs> raging nipple boners that she had on her chest. They had to be they had to be fake, guys. I'm just saying. I was like, I was like, oh, look at that tits. And yes, I I, I see. I I, I almost feel like uh, I, I just have permission to like. <laughs> Make light of all this stuff now that a woman is on the podcast. I feel like I have a card now to uh, make light of this stuff. It, I mean, it should also be noted. I'm not I'm not easily offended. So it's like, whatever. But anyway, the personality, the, the actress did a great job playing, you know, just that oh, that yeah. schmoozy kind of like older woman who hangs out at bars, who can who is, uh, you know, always trying to strike up conversations with mm -hmm. anyone there. You know, who, uh, you know, you can tell she's had literally years of experience working people and all that. She, but she still looked kind of like that low class sort of she just had that look about her, you know, like they, they did a good job. Yeah. So um, and I've you know, with my job being a DJ and in, in, in all these, you know, kind of shitty little dive bars and, you know, Applebee's restaurants and shit, you meet <laughs> women like this all the time. You see them from a mile away. And the funny thing is, you know, me being, you know, when I first started DJing, being in my like mid 20s and now I'm like, you know, 30 or whatever. For me, I'm looking at going like gross, you know, that's disgusting. But there are so many dudes in these places who are like, hell yeah. You know, I, you know, me being 55 years old, that 42 year old is a young, fine thing to me, you know, and they're they're more than happy to go over there and start schmoozing uh, with these these kind of uh, women. So uh, apparently Charles Barker was no exception to that. 
Uh, a short time later, even Charles apparently to, uh, began to share the same opinion, you know, about her not being a real presentable woman with no class. According to his daughter, Charles admitted he was having trouble with Deanna, but refused to provide any details. When my dad called me, he just sounded so different, and he started crying, and I never heard my dad cry or anything. And uh, he told me he'd call me in two or three days, and everything would be okay, and he'd let me know what was going on. But that explanation never came. Shortly afterward, Jennifer tried calling her father to arrange another visit. I'd been trying to phone him for the whole week and no answer, and I finally called my aunt, and she said, well, we'll go by there and check on him. Charles' sister, June, and her husband drove over to see if there was a problem. According to Sheriff Boswell, when they arrived, they noticed the front door of Charles' residence was open. So they proceed further. The husband looks in and sees Mr. Barker slumped over the bar. Charles had been dead for five days, killed by a single gunshot to the head. As Sheriff Boswell combed the crime scene, several observations were made. Our detectives found no sign of a struggle. They did not find the house had been ransacked. Mr. Barker had a 25 caliber Raven Arms pistol that he kept in his residence. There were no prints found on the gun, but the ballistics evidence indicates that the weapon was used. Mr. Barker had a safe that he kept in his bedroom. This safe was opened when investigators arrived. Except for a few stock certificates, the safe was empty. Also missing was Charles Barker's Lincoln Town Car and his girlfriend. Sheriff Baswell soon identified her as a con artist named Hazel Head. Mr. Barker's vehicle was found the next day after his body was discovered. It was found near the airport. Inside the car were pieces of clothing that belonged to Hazel. Also found in the car was DNA evidence. Physical evidence that we believe definitely links her to the car. We believe that she is the one that took the car from his residence and drove it to the, that spot near the airport. A background check on Hazel Head revealed that she'd married as many as 10 times and was known to use more than a dozen aliases. There was also an outstanding warrant for her arrest in Lincoln, Nebraska. There, she had allegedly burned down her boyfriend's home, then <laughs> fled before standing <laughs> trial. I mean, guys, have we all wanted to burn down our boyfriend's homes? Of course we have. But you don't do it. It's bad. Hell, you would you you would want to <laughs> burn your your ex husband just in general. You just, just burn in, his bot his person. Just in general. Just in general. And that's not an ex specific thing. That's just a him specific thing because he also is a piece of stool. The actor who played the um, Charles Barker, the old guy, he was so over the top in this episode, like. He was at the casino table and he, you know, he'd won and he would be like, whoa, <laughs> like he was just, he was so fucking goofy. Like, like, and he was, he was really, really fat, but he was the kind of fat where like it like almost smushed all of his face forward. So when you went to like go take a drink, you could almost like see his lip and tongue sticking out to like grasp the drink before he even got it to his mouth. I feel, I feel like that's how you drink stuff in general. <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> he was hella fat is what I'm getting at. Just. Just really, really fat. Yeah, they say that uh, the age-old thing on Unsolved Mysteries is the worse the acting is, the more Robert Stack would narrate <laughs> over it. And the better the acting was, the less Robert Stack would have to narrate. Let's just say Robert Stack was narrating through this entire segment. <laughs> Uh, the, 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 uh, that, that, that old, the, the girl was good who they yes. cast to play the bar fly, uh, Helen Head. She was great, but the guy was just goofy. He, he, he kind of, he 
kind of overdid it, especially when you see the actual Charles Barker. Um, he, God, he just looks like an old vet. Yeah, he just an old white guy with those just old man glasses with the soulless gaze, baseball cap. <laughs> just the I'll tell you what, you boys better get off my property. He looks tired all the time. He looks like he wants to make America great again, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but I, I think he's lost most of his uh, like gumption for that. Just didn't look like he has the energy for it. Yeah, so um, it's it's crappy, man. You know that uh, the woman took advantage of this old dude this way, and they they don't say this on here, but in the segment. Um, he had. They said that he had about forty thousand dollars in his safe yeah. that was stolen. So that's. I I can't even imagine. Like if you know, first of all, you are um, going around, uh, and I, it didn't necessarily say that she's. It didn't say that she's killed a bunch of other people, right? He's the only one that she's killed. She just has a lot of they, fraud, <laughs> right? God, sorry about that. No that spit just flew down my throat into my windpipe. Um, they they said that um, it's possible that she could have killed other people. Um, it's like to kill somebody for that paltry amount of money, even uh, if they forty thousand dollars is not paltry. No, but to kill somebody, I'm not saying that there's a right amount of money to kill people, folks. Like that's that's not what I'm getting at. But like this was somebody's dad. This was somebody's, you know. I don't know. I, I clearly am not set up to be like a professional hitman. That's 1990s money too. So pretty yeah, much double that. That's like 90. eighty. That's like eighty thousand. Well, it was like forty five thousand. So about ninety. No, forty thousand. It wasn't. They said it was about forty thousand, not forty five. They said forty five. Oh, whatever. There's a lot of money. I mean, that's <laughs> the only thing that matters. So it doesn't look like they have an update. And that now I will say though the actress they got to play her did a good job. She looks nothing like the actual. No, the, not at the all. The actual person is definitely still trailer trash, but different variety of. I mean, the chick they had they had in the segment was like not awful looking for an older woman, but the real woman was you know she looked like a. I don't know. She looked like a <laughs> like a bus mechanic. Like yeah. she would work on school buses or something, or like yeah. a like the substitute teacher when the substitute teacher couldn't come in. <laughs> like the, the third wing uh, substitute. I'm trying to see if there's a um, wikia on this. Uh, see if there's an update because I would really like to know if they ever. Yeah, because chances are, I mean, if you have that kind of track record. This is a probably a thing you're still doing. I don't know what what would make you stop. You know, Fred the head unsolved murder remains mystery as DNA <laughs> rules out missing man. What the Fred the head? What the hell? That just that just reminds me of something from childhood. Ted the head. I don't even know what that's from. But yeah, I don't know what kind I of that. I don't know what your parents did to you as a kid. But I, I was don't know what I was about. really um, susceptible to any kind of. Um, jingle yeah any, any any kind of jingle every i i can sing the entire skip it theme song for the toy the, the fucking toy skip please don't it. i won't but i can along with anything else that was out in the 90s that's just how i am well the one thing i can uh provide you guys with was uh helen head was born in 1949 and she would be 70 in 2019 so Ooh. she's probably dead uh if she's not dead she she does not have the wherewithal to uh probably even lift a gun let alone you know go through all that so she's probably not 
doing that anymore, but uh, that's kind of cold comfort to... Uh, she may have banked enough at this point that she doesn't have to. Yeah, that probably doesn't make the family feel much better. Oh, this isn't about making them feel better. Well, you know, f- fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next segment. Stefania's going to handle this one. This is a case of uh, Elizabeth Ortiz, but I guess you could say it could also be the case of uh, Gilbert Ortiz. And my notes, as I was talking about uh, when I write down these cases, uh, the notes for this one was bitch who poisoned husband. So take it away. All right. On the afternoon of March 11th, 1992, paramedics were called to a toy store in Redwood City, California. Inside, one of the employees, 23-year-old Gilbert Ortiz, was laying on the table of the lunchroom. He was sweating profusely and experiencing severe convulsions. He told the paramedics that he had become ill after drinking a high-protein amino acid milkshake, commonly used by bodybuilders to strengthen muscle. He told them that he had gotten the shake from a friend. He began to slip in and out of un- in and out of consciousness and was rushed to a nearby hospital. Doctors were baffled by his condition. His wife, Elizabeth, arrived within minutes and claimed that she had never before seen the bottle that the milkshake was in. Okay, I think it's weird that she arrived within minutes, but I don't know their locations, but whatever. Meanwhile, Gilbert's condition worsened. He contracted pneumonia as his kidneys began to fail. He later underwent cardiac arrest and slipped into a coma. Looking into his background, investigators learned that Gilbert had met Elizabeth in 1987 while serving in the Army. They married in 1990, shortly after the birth of their son, Jonathan. Gilbert got a job at the toy store, but he and Elizabeth frequently fought over money. Now, one thing that they did say in the segment that they didn't put in here was that it was an entry-level position. I just think it's really shitty that a dude that just got out of the Army... The job that he got after having a kid and getting married was an entry-level position at a toy store. It's not promising, guys. Is that shitty? Like, is that like a statement about like our, how how we treat our vets? Or are you saying it's shitty on him for only um, shooting for a? It, it well, we don't know the statistics, or we don't know the specifics. Like, is that all he shot for? Is that all he could get? I don't know. It, I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna have a family, that's not that's not promising. Is is all I'm getting at. Um, I, I think that's bizarre. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that was one of those interim like, oh, well, I got this temp, temp job until I find the thing in the field or, you know, whatever. Um, but that was just something that I, I minimum wage is ass any way you slice it. I mean, Jesus, it's like not a livable wage at all. So I don't know. I don't know how they thought they were going to get by on that. I have no idea. And it was a Toys R Us, too. Uh, for whatever reason, oh. they couldn't mention that in the segment. But um, they, they showed in the reenactment uh, when the wife pulled up to give him his little milkshake or whatever. It was clearly a Toys R Us in the background. Good catching. Um, da, 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 da. Gilbert got a job at the toy store, but he and Elizabeth frequently fought over money. Can't imagine why. However, everything seemed to change for the better when he received a promotion in March of 1992. Less than a week later, he was in the hospital fighting for his life. Gilbert's mother and sister, Brenda, it's Brenda, but Brenda with an H thrown in at the end, joined Elizabeth at the hospital. While in the waiting room, Elizabeth received a strange phone call which seemed to upset her. She told them that she was going to leave to check on Jonathan, Jonathan being their son. However, two, two hours later, she came back to the room claiming that some guy with a mask had Jonathan Brenda was confused because she thought that he was with Elizabeth's mother. She called her and confirmed that Jonathan was with her. Elizabeth told a nurse that she had been approached by a small boy in a hospital parking lot who 
who directed her to a masked man in a, par- in a parked car. The man claimed that he knew what happened to Gilbert and that he had drank the wrong stuff. He gave her a bag which contained a bottle of liquid insecticide. The nurse contacted the poison control center and the police. Yeah. And <clears throat> so what I, so, so, so clearly uh, the, the wife is trying to poison her husband. And I guess at some point she, maybe she feels like a shred of guilt, a shred of like, damn, like he's really like not doing well. And this isn't, or at the very least, she's like, ah, you know what? Maybe I don't want to kill him because th- this is going to get back to me. And she panicked. So she comes up with this fucking cockamamie story about some man in a mask or who's going to hurt Jonathan and all this other kind of crazy crap. And she grabs the uh, bottle of poison and gives it to the uh, medical staff so they can, you know, because if you if you know if you know what the cause is of your sickness, they can work to treat that. But if they don't know what's going on with you, I mean, again, to bring up my dad. Uh, when he went into the hospital, um, they they're they're basically you know he had he had a really bad pain in his abdomen, and so basically they just start running a bunch of tests to rule things out. And sometimes you don't have a bu- enough time to even survive the test. So yeah. Gilbert was in a, uh, a a sticky situation. I mean, it's it's basically the same if you get bitten by you know a snake or something. They need to know what anti venom to work with. So same. Same, same. Uh, Five days later, Elizabeth was questioned by police about the alleged masked man. The investigators, of course, were suspicious of her strange story. After pointing out several inconsistencies, she confessed that she made the story up. She claimed that she found the bottle in her house and believed that he had done it to himself. Oh, no. The investigators asked her to take a lie detector test. (laughs) She claimed she had to go to a job interview and that she would come back in two hours for the test. However, she never returned. That part did legitimately amuse me in the segment because they're like, they're setting it up. They're setting up the scene. She's like, oh, uh, no, I, I have to go to a job interview. And they're like, well, can you come back? And my, my commentary on it was just like, but she didn't. And, and then later it's like, she never returned. Dun, dun. My whole thing is like, that's such a random, uh, you know, so how, so what was your day like? Well, my husband was poisoned somehow and he's in the hospital and, uh, but I did get the job at Applebee's and, uh, so, you know, there is that silver lining. Uh, I, I think my, uh, husband, uh, being poisoned, you know, dying in the hospital kind of helped me when I told the, uh, the, the hiring manager about my situation. So, uh. So yeah, now we get fifty percent off on mozzarella sticks. <laughs> so uh, you know, not Yay. not all bad. No, no, you got to take those those little wins where you can get them. The next morning, one of the investigators spoke to her at her mother's home. She refused to come back to the police station. Eleven days later, Gilbert regained consciousness and told police what happened. He said that Elizabeth had told him about a coworker's son who had bulked up by drinking amino acid milkshakes. And I hate every time they say that. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I do too, actually. Like, just just call them fucking protein shakes, guys. Like, they're, they're not milkshakes. Like, I used to be a personal trainer. They're not fucking milkshakes. Stop calling them milkshakes. Oh, I thought I thought you took umbrage with the bulked up part. That's what I. That, that's that, what I didn't like. <laughs> that too. But just stop. they kept saying bulked up. It would get bulked <laughs> up. It's like oh, 
And his commentary on that was interesting to me because it, in the in the show, and I don't know if this was derived from how he felt in real life. If so, it was very indicative to the relationship he had with his wife. He's like, because, yeah, I wanted to get bulked up because that's the kind of guy that she likes. And it's like, bitch, she's with you. You better be the kind that she likes. <laughs> yeah, and, and he himself, I mean, he was he was a meek, you know, warmy little guy. He seemed like a really nice guy yeah. who definitely didn't deserve what happened to him. But I mean, no. he yeah, he definitely, you know. She looked kind of like a like a mean cave troll from Russia or something. She, I don't know, she looked like the domineering type. So, of course, she wants real men. She wants real men to treat her like big, strong men. But uh, there's no way in hell that this guy was going to be that. I just thought that was kind of interesting and kind of sad if that's derived at all from their relationship because it, it is very telling. Like, All right, Natasha, get back to your article. I get back to article now. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, he apparently made the drink and um, accord- according to um, Gilbert, the, the co-worker, um, apparently made the drink and gave it to Elizabeth, who gave it to Gilbert around 2 p.m. in the toy store parking lot. Within minutes of drinking the milkshake, he became seriously ill. Yeah, and then they're interviewing him, and he's he, uh, he's like, he's like, at first I started drinking it, and it was kind of spicy, but I thought, <laughs> you know, maybe it's supposed to taste that way. And he's kind of burning my throat the whole time I'm drinking yep. it, but I think... You know, I don't know how these are supposed to taste, so I keep drinking it. But it still tastes like chocolate. And I'm just, <laughs> what else needs to happen, Gil? What else needs to happen before the, uh, you know? And uh, then I started having explosive <laughs> diarrhea, but maybe that's what's supposed to happen. And uh, th- then my left eye just fell out of my head onto the table, but maybe that's supposed to happen. I just kept drinking it. I wanted to get big. It made more room for muscle. I'll say, why are you making him Russian? Because I want to do a Russian accent. I'm stuck in it now. I think your accents are, are, uh, I think you're, You're I think you're a one trick accent pony. I have several. You just don't like a lot of them. Um, but yeah, this guy did look more Hispanic based on everything. Yeah, they're both Hispanic. They're definitely Hispanic. They were not Russian. So get, get the idea of a Russian person out of your head. I, I I don't want to give them the idea of a Russian, but that was that she looked like a Russian goblin. Because I'm over here like thinking of like Gilbert looking like Ivan Drago. Oh no, he and, does not. He's no. not. A, he's not a big man. He's he's small and. Hispanic. Wow! I I made a fucking movie reference. Did I just make a movie reference? Holy shit! Mike would be so proud of me right Aww. now. This confirmed what investigators had suspected. Elizabeth had poisoned Gilbert in an attempt to kill him. They obtained a search warrant to look at, to look into the Ortiz home hoping to find evidence uh, to trace the poisoning back to Elizabeth. However, when they arrived, they found that Elizabeth had vanished, along with their two-year-old son, Jonathan. Although a year has passed, Gilbert has not, has not fully recovered. The insecticide caused serious damage to his liver and nervous system. His right foot is numb, and he has difficulty walking without assistance. He, that sucks, dude. That he, sucks. He was just trying to, like, he was just trying to make his bitch of a wife happy. Yeah. And he also said that his fingertips are numb all the time, which is just generally shitty. That's yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, what, what is his reward for trying to better himself? I'm going to fuck your life. I'm go- First, I'm going to try to take your life, and then I'm going to mess your body up for the rest of your life, and then I'm going to take our fucking kid. My guess is she wasn't happy because, you know, like, yeah, raising a kid when your husband works at the toy store, not the fucking easiest. I don't know if she had a job or not, didn't cover that. Chances are she's made some missteps in her life, and rather than being like, I am not happy, I would like a divorce, and going about it in the adult way, I think she was like, how can I get out of this without having to feel 
uh, without having to look bad or whatever. Well, if he just dies, then I don't look bad. It's such a, it's such a, is uh, my guess. It's such a risk though. Like oh, I know. everything's got to go uh, exactly. And I mean, anybody who knows anything about killing anybody, which I now do from covering <laughs> all these cases, the, the police are going to look at the wife first. Cause she's yep. the closest to him. The spouse is always the first that they look at and investigate. Yep. And she fucking cracked like an egg, <laughs> you know, after interrogating her like, for a little bit. They started like misleading her. They started saying, you know, because the investigators knew her story didn't make sense. So they started trying to trip her up. And they're like, there was an eyewitness in that parking lot who did not see a masked man or a kid. And then she's like, OK, I made it up. And it's just like, like, uh, lady. Right, right off the bat when she was like, oh, yeah, this man has Jonathan, da, 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 da. I'm like. Okay, your sister-in-law clearly didn't buy it, called your fucking mom, and was like, yeah, no, the kid is at home. Like, at at what point did you think that this was going to work when you know, like, th th they're just going to take your word for, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, and, and your ki kid isn't abducted. And, like, I get that she obviously panicked, and this, I guess, was ju just the best thing that she could come up with, but it's, it's like, what the fuck? Like, it's so intricate. If, if, if these shows have taught me anything, it's that you keep your lies simple. You don't like, you know, just, you know, you just stick, stick to the path, keep it simple. Um, you know, I feel, I feel like has a greater success, uh, ratio than those who make up these complicated shits because then people can take apart your story easier and trip you up easier. This story made no sense at all um on that end whatsoever yeah and they're interviewing gilbert at the end of the segment and he's like he's like you know my wife uh left you know that that's fine whatever i don't care about <laughs> yeah. her but don't take the kid you know i i really grew attached to him yeah and that's what's so funny about uh like marriage is like i think i remember someone saying one time like before you have a kid uh you would like do any like you would die for your wife or whatever and then whenever you do have a kid it's like oh fuck my wife i'll die for my kid <laughs> like, yeah, that was uh yeah that was uh what celebrity was it i remember it was like a tweet that went out but yeah that was basically like i would shield my child with my wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's just like i, I guess that lot you'd experience that love for your child that's so much deeper than your love for your spouse yeah because i mean that's your own flesh and blood so um the this this um update on this is uh she was captured elizabeth was captured and arrested by the fbi and mexican authorities without jonathan near guadalajara mexico eight years after the attempted murder of gilbert mostly based on tips uh, to america's most wanted jonathan finally turned up several months later when a relative took him to visit elizabeth at the jail he was reunited with gilbert soon after Elizabeth was given a life sentence plus six years for child abduction and bodily harm. She attempted to appeal her conviction in 2004, but was refused. Good. She was denied <laughs> parole in 2010 and 2014. Surprisingly, she has since been released. Wow. She's since been released from prison. During two separate incidents in 2010, Jonathan, now 20, brutally beat Gilbert. Oh, yeah. Irrationally blaming him for his mother's imprisonment. 
In 2011, he was charged with assault with a deadly re weapon and inflicting great bodily harm. He later pleaded no contest to the charges and was sentenced to four years in prison. Yeah, I think actually we had watched that update at a different time. I think we might that, have that's... covered this segment and the more I... Uh... <laughs> the more I'm talking about, I think we covered this segment on this podcast already. God damn it. Well, now you're getting a, a, you're a getting slightly a different take on it. Sorry, I guys. I swear to God, if we already covered this one, I'm going to be I'm going to be annoyed. And you people are just going to have to deal with it. Deal with it. Let me see here. It, I mean, it, it, Liz, it wouldn't surprise me. I know we've talked about this. <laughs> I'm searching for it, but I, I know we've talked about it and there's no good. Oh, oh yeah, Gilbert Ortiz, Gilbert Ortiz. That was episode, it was episode one hundred and one. One hundred and one. All right, cool. <laughs> so we. Well, then why did I put it in my phone? He's. Wow, I am stupid. You're you're doing great, guys. I apologize Just, for that, but hey, it was like almost fifty episodes ago. So. To some of you, it may be new. That's right. But, um, Not everyone was listening uh, that are listening now yeah. back in episode 101. And to be fair, it was my go-to to, to uh, threaten one of my ex-boyfriends to poison his Pop-Tarts. But I didn't actually poison his Pop-Tarts. He, he got off much better than, like, Gilbert. So, you know, he's still alive. And to my knowledge, has, you know, all of his functioning limbs so he can still walk and move and shit. Gilbert hasn't had an easy life. <laughs> no. Gilbert is almost like, it's almost comical how shitty that is. And in the interviews, he seemed like just such a accepting kind of man. Just kind of like he's so used to life shitting on, on him at this point, which is probably why his wife thought he could, that she could get away with it. You know, she's just like, yeah, you know, well, you're not really doing much anyway. You at your, uh, your uh, nice job at the toy store. You know, it's a shame you couldn't do something more. You need to bulk up and be yeah. a real man. <laughs> it's like, I think she wanted somebody to push around, and that's maybe why they got married. He could be one of those guys that likes to pay, like, those Amazon women, like, <laughs> like a lot of money to, like, dominate them yeah. and, like, like carry around, carry him around in a diiper, <laughs> like an adult diaper. And a, and a little papoose, you know. God, you just, want to, you just wanted to say papoose. I did. <laughs> uh so i'm looking at the time here and we're only 47 minutes in so we need another case to talk about so we're just gonna just pick one no i got another one this one's a pretty short one um i always thought this was a pretty uh interesting uh segment here just to give you an idea this is what this, we're talking about tom hughes this is a fraud case he's basically a professional hospital patient he looks kind of like chris farley yeah, he uh, large. He's very fat. Greasy. He's very fat from a, a a lifetime or a you know a lot of years spent in hospital beds. He looks like he's oozing grease. Yeah, he definitely has enjoyed the finer <laughs> foods in life. But you know what though, a part I mean, of me envies that because once you look like that, it's like fuck it, I'm just yeah, gonna eat just, whatever I want. Yeah, eat what makes you happy. Oh, wow, this is an incredibly short case. So, uh, police are searching for uh, the identity of a deceased con man who called himself Tom Hughes. Just before 9 a.m. on February 11th, 1992, Tom went under cardiac arrest at a hospital in Danbury, Connecticut. For 90 minutes, doctors worked to revive him, but were unsuccessful. When they tried to contact his wife, they discovered that her name and phone number were fake. Also fake uh, were Tom's social security number, address, employer, and name. 
Among his possessions were a receipt from a hospital in California and a bus ticket stub from Pennsylvania to Connecticut. With these clues, authorities soon uncovered Tom's bizarre fraud scheme. Up to his death, he had practically been a professional hospital patient. Tom would stay in a hospital for uh, three hosp- hospital. I saw. I thought I said hospital. Hospital for three to seven days before sneaking out and leaving his bills unpaid. He was apparently traveling the country from California to Rhode Island, spending time in various hospi- hospitals along the way. Okay, what I want to know is what's in it for him. The hospital isn't glamorous. The food is not good. I mean, I guess if you get off to somebody, you know, wiping your ass, maybe. I think he was trying but to get painkillers. That's bizarre. It is bizarre. To say the least. It, that is, that is Hospitals a, give me the creeps. Yeah. He had made 16 phone calls before he died. Jesus. All of the calls were to various attorneys. It is believed that he was planning to file lawsuits against companies for his injuries. He may have also tried to borrow money from them for traveling. Authorities believe that he took painkillers at the various hospitals that he visit that he visited. The large amounts of painkillers may have led to his death. They are hoping to determine <laughs> his true identity. <laughs> it's like was so there wasn't anything actually wrong with him i guess but he was gonna make sure that there was something wrong with god this guy is such a rant like who does this this is so i i can't i can't like what that's a lot of work to go to have to stay in a very clinical depressing space oh okay So the update on this was it's solved. Viewers recognized him and positively identified him as a man named Thomas Patrick White. White apparently had Munchausen syndrome, and this is a condition in which a healthy person seeks constant medical attention. So that's the same thing that rapper Eminem's mom apparently had. Um, Munchausen syndrome. I'll read you exactly what it is. It's a very bizarre... Um, disorder. So Munchausen syndrome is a fictitious disorder. It's a mental disorder in which a person repeatedly and deliberately acts as if he or she has a physical or mental illness when he or she is not really sick. Munchausen syndrome is considered a mental illness because it is associated with severe emotional difficulties. Munchausen syndrome, named for Baron von Munchausen, an 18th century German officer who was known for embellishing the stories of his life and experiences, is the most severe type of factitious disorder. Most of the symptoms in people with Munchausen syndrome are related to physical illness, symptoms such as chest pain, stomach problems, or fever, rather than uh, those of a mental disorder. So, uh, people with Munchausen syndrome deliberately produce or exaggerate symptoms in several ways. They may lie about or fake symptoms, hurt themselves to bring on symptoms, or alter tests, such as contaminating a urine sample. Possible warning signs of Munchausen syndrome include dramatic but inconsistent medical history, unclear symptoms that are not controllable and that become more severe or change once treatment has begun, predictable relapses following improvement in the condition, Extensive knowledge of hospitals and or medical terminology, as well as the textbook <laughs> descriptions of illnesses. Well, that's me right there, yeah. but that's more of hypochondriac yes. than Munchausen's. Presence of multiple surgical scars, appearance of new or additional symptoms following negative test results. Uh, presence of symptoms only when the patient is with others or being observed. Oh, there was, another, there was a case of uh, this one lady who got, uh, I remember um, there was a news article that, that was so disturbing that it stuck with me. 
when the flu shots were first kind of being uh, given out on a large scale, this was like maybe 10 years ago, I remember this. There was this like horror story of this young lady who got the flu shot and some something in the flu shot act, gave her some kind of a, a seemingly a neurological disorder that affected her like motor functions in her legs and body and arms and they were interviewing her and she would literally just like uh bend her knees and bend her arms up and down uncontrollably and she was like flailing around like standing uprightly she was like a fucking noodle and it would go it, it, and the weird thing was about it is it would completely go away when she would start running so she'd start jogging and she'd all of a sudden she'd start talking normal she moved completely normal looked like a completely normal person but then as soon as she stopped jogging she'd start her convulsions again and um they actually found uh they like uh because they started to like smell bullshit in this um and so they uh they followed her around and they saw her in a, in a grocery store parking lot walking to her car completely fine and they walked up oh, to yeah. her and they're like hey you know you seem to be doing a lot better um and uh, she's like, yeah, well, you know, it comes and goes and blah, blah, blah. And it was it was just complete bullshit. It was. Um, yeah, it, it's it's I, I guarantee you people like that are behind like anti-vax and, you know, all that bullshit. You know, it, it, I, people people will do just about anything for attention. I think I think we've all known maybe not to that extreme, but that uh, what was that condition? M Munchausen? I feel like at some point in your life you run into some people like that and it is a little bit different than the hypochondriacs in that like if they have like proof of like surgical scars and stuff that's really scary to me like they have somehow convinced a doctor like I, this baffles my mind honestly that you've managed to convince a doctor something is wrong enough even without evidence that you've convinced them enough to operate on you in some in 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 some way like that is insane to me so i'm guessing you haven't seen this video her uh -huh. name is desiree jennings uh she got dystonia from swine flu vaccine apparently and so, supposedly yeah supposedly and dystonia for those who don't know is a movement disorder in which a person's muscles contract uncontrollably the uh, contraction causes the affected body parts to twist involuntarily resulting in repetitive movements or abnormal postures so this is the actual video. Um, the beautiful cheerleader whose heartbreaking story is shocking the nation. 25-year-old Desiree Jennings showed me how she can't walk without twisting, jerky movements. <laughs> but she walks backwards normally. Doctors say she has a rare one-in-a-million neurological disorder that was triggered 10 days after this she got so a seasonal flu ridiculous. shot. couldn't eat without passing out. I visited Desiree and her husband Brendan at their home in Ashburn, Virginia to see what their daily life is like. She has to go up and down stairs backwards because something as simple as walking forward can be dangerous. And here's the unusual part about the disorder. Take a look at this. Desiree can run just fine. It's only when she stops. You see, that's when the spasms are. And she can walk backwards, though, and, and, and it'll make it better, right? She runs with a normal stride. And as I ran with her, she even spoke normally. And I can talk. Yeah, it's weird. It's a 
pictures as soon as I stop running. You just sound, you sound I know, it's great. <laughs> and then you stop, and that's what happens. Desiree got a flu shot on August 23rd. Okay. Ten days later, she came down with what doctors have diagnosed as dystonia, a rare neurological disorder. Her jerking and twisting are the result of uncontrollable muscle contractions. There is no known cure. You already? Yes. This is home video of Desiree as a beautiful bride when she married Brendan two years ago. And this is a photo when she was training to be a cheerleader for the Washington Redskins. Doctors say what happened to Desiree should discourage people from getting flu shots. <laughs> but here's what the woman who's on the wrong side of being one in a million says. Running has to be a, a relief. No one's gonna have Sounds like she's about to do that at any moment. That was so fucking fake. But that's got to be exhausting to fake that. And she's married too, which is even weirder. Like, is he going along with all this? Like, how much attention does she need? Yeah, but anyway, it turned out to be bullshit. Like, she's just, she was making it up straight up. So, I mean, that's... That's what case came to my mind when I was reading about uh, Munchausen's and Tom Hughes and everything. And all right, folks, um, it's clocking in about an hour here, so I don't know what else to talk about. One. And I'm getting sweaty, so uh, <laughs> sitting in the same spot for more than uh, 30 minutes I, that that tends to happen. But uh, anyway, yeah, Mike, I hope you enjoyed this Mikeless podcast. He'll be back next week. Um, you know, it, it's it's our scheduling thing this time around, but I still. Hope you guys enjoy this, and I want to give you something. And I, Stephanie, thank you for doing this. I think you did a good job. Thank you. Um, I hope everybody isn't isn't uh, too upset. They're like they don't get the episodes wrong when Mike is on the podcast. So someone's probably <laughs> gonna like loop your portions of this podcast and use it as some ASMR thing don't. for them to fall asleep at night. I, I don't think my voice. I'm is trying that to soothing. give. I'm trying to give creepy people don't, ideas. Don't the creepy people already have enough ideas with me? So they I don't. Li- they I like don't, you. They do. They they, like, they, they, they want to touch you. They really do, and I don't like being touched. So. So that's that's cool. Um. So just touch Stephanie in, in the in do, the mouth next not, time you see her. Do not. Um, anyway, if you want to like un- uh, this podcast on Facebook, you can join our Facebook group, which is what we prefer you to do because the Facebook like page is bullshit and it serves no purpose unless you pay Facebook money to advertise the page mm-hmm. so the people who like it can even see the content you post. But anyway, join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook.com, click on the Groups tab, and search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries and uh, answer uh, two questions. Are you joining this group because you listen to the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast? You'd be surprised the amount of people who click no on that. And uh, are you a real human being? And bam, you're in the group and there's some really good stuff in there that I can't talk about on the air. Uh, You can consider contributing to our Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And you get the podcast early. This week you're going to get super duper early. Because I'm going to edit this bitch after uh, we... Because Stephanie's right here, so I don't got to wait on Mike to send me his audio. So I'm going to put this up tonight. So this is Tuesday night that you uh, get the uh, podcast. You're getting way earlier than everybody else. Um, And finally, check out my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I do a bunch of different videos uh, I do I talk about, uh, you know, music history, uh, you know, like contemporary music history, like Eminem and Moby and Limp Bizkit, not like, you know, Beethoven and Bach. Uh, <laughs> Fuck I, them. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that, but 
you know, that, that, that might not be very interesting to people. I do, I do little documentary videos, like the history of uh, Woodstock 94 and Woodstock 99. I do video game videos. I do uh, funny videos. Dude, there's literally a video on my YouTube channel for everyone, plus my original band that I've already shoved down your throat, Dancing with Ghosts. We have all of our music videos on there. We just recently released a uh, lyric video for our new song, White Room, which will be playing at the end of this podcast, so make sure you stick around and listen to that. And if you like that, please uh, go over to our Spotify and just stream our songs because that helps us out. And there is yes, a please. link. There's a link to our physical CD and T-shirts in the uh, description of this podcast. So support us if you like what you hear. It's the right thing to do. Help us out. Please make sure to add it to playlists if you do stream it. Anything like that does help. Yeah. So if you don't have any money to spend, you can support us just by playing the songs. Uh, until next week, I hope you guys have a good rest of your day and or night and talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Bye, guys. I wish that we could stay in.